0: Hello, everyone. You are now listening to the Ignite podcast. Ignite is a podcast where we provide all things in leadership and personal and professional development, all from the comfort of your own space and on your own time. I am your host and guardian of the torch, Caleb Pearson. When you listen to Ignite, you are joining a community of individuals that are intentional, Generous, noble, intelligent, tenacious, and who all strive for excellence. Today, I am extremely excited and happy to be introducing not only the next torchbearer, but my friend, my partner in podcast crime, and my microphone brother uh, to the Ignite podcast, the pragmatic and devoted Trip Bodenheimer. How are you doing, Trip? How's it going? I'm Appreciate good.
1: you uh, you finally getting me on here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was just going to happen regardless. It's about time you pick up the torch and uh, carry the light for yourself. So I'm way excited for this. This is, this is amazing. This is exciting. It's going to be awesome. How's your day been so far? Pretty good. We've been teaching
1: all afternoon. We're pretty much wrapping things up with this class, about to graduate them. Uh, this is really cool that I get to do this with you, because uh, this is kind of a two for one. So this lesson right here is actually part of the Viral Institute reboot uh, retreat with Penelope uh, Jean Hayes, who was a guest on the Shadows podcast. So they're going to be seeing the video portion of this and then the audio portion, uh, obviously being on Ignite. So I'm excited because this is a pretty big opportunity here for five years, how to be present and productive when there's never
0: enough time awesome that is amazing i can't wait to take a look at the youtube channel and are you you said it's going to be posted to their They're site gonna be, as well they'll be showing this as part of the retreat okay but but hey we're gonna get our, our youtube
1: channel up and running oh yeah definitely if we got all these little glitches fixed out with the the loading issues we're gonna have uh ignites up and running hopefully this one will be seen as well me yes yeah. oh yeah it's all gonna right be now. on there.
0: it's all gonna yeah. be on there yeah you're looking good and healthy today how you feeling though feeling good a little, a little tired but feeling good
1: so yeah. we went to a uh theme park on saturday mm. and uh you know I'm, I'm flirting with my my 40s but i'm still i can still out roller coaster anybody <laughs> so,
0: that's awesome yeah. yeah i love roller coaster i haven't been to a theme park in a long time especially since this whole pandemic thing but you seem uh, like
1: a good person to go to a theme
0: park with you know i have a blast i have such a good time you know i'm already loud and i i just kind of wild out so it's it's so much fun when i go
1: one girl had her uh phone just i saw it just drop from about 40 feet and my daughter and i just looked at each other we're like that sucks <laughs> and she's like, it didn't even have a phone case. That was what she was worried Ooh. about. That <laughs> thing, and it was just a pit of rocks just like this with that phone dropping. But,
0: yeah, oh, you know. that's not good. But, yeah, man, I'm ready for this. All right. I am, too. So for all of the listeners, I've already kind of explained Trip and my relationship. We're really good friends. Trip was actually my instructor when I went through uh, the in- Uh, enlisted professional military education instructor course to teach me how to be an instructor, but I'm going to give you guys a little bit uh, of a filler so you know a little bit more about who Tripp is. So Tripp is actually Technical Sergeant Edward C. Botenheimer III, and he is an instructor. Uh, in the Enlisted Professional Military Education Instructor Course, or E-P-M-E-I-C. You know, all us military people love our acronyms. Uh, at the Barn Center here at Maxwell Gunter Annex in Alabama. Annually, he develops and revises 152 curriculum hours, instructs 1,064 hours, and certifies 420 PME instructors, including your torchbearer, me. Or your torch guardian, me. Technical Sergeant Bodenheimer grew up in Lumberton, North Carolina before joining the Air Force in 2009. Prior to his current position, Sergeant Bodenheimer was a cyber operations supervisor for the 52nd Communications Squir- Squadron in Sp- Spangdalem Air Base, Germany. I am just fumbling all over my words today. You got it. You got it. He has served numerous roles in the cyber operations career field at locations including Arizona and Germany, and he has deployed once to. You're gonna have to help me out. Akrotiri, it was Cyprus. It was a really rough spot. Oh, how how unfortunate right on the beach! Oh my, yeah, I had a uh, In <laughs> in support of Project Olive Harvest. Even the name. <laughs> I mean, come on, Olive oh, Harvest.
1: How harmful is that? <laughs>
0: yeah so for all of you marine seashells for all of you marine army and navy listeners the air force doesn't only deploy to cyprus royal air
1: force (laughs) royal air force we we were helping the royal air force
0: (laughs) in support of operation project olive harvest um cool (laughs) That's awesome, though. Today, Trip is going to be teaching us how to be present and productive when there is never enough time. This is a lesson called Five Gears. I'm excited. Trip also gives a lesson on uh, five voices. I've been through five voices, uh, found out that I have a very loud voice. I'm a pioneer, which is no surprise. So I'm excited to see the five gears part of this. Uh, trip does a really good job in delivering this lesson to not only uh, EPMAIC, but he does it to um, the students at the academy, at the non-commissioned officer academy. He does it for uh, Airman Leadership School and even um, over in the private sector and universities, everywhere. So you, you all are in for a treat. I'm excited. We're all going to learn together. Trip. Are you ready to ignite these minds? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right, Bodhi. Fire up the slides. Uh,
1: (laughs) The torch is yours. First of all, to anyone listening to this, anyone watching this video, depending on if you're a listener or if you're at the retreat, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to get a little bit of knowledge here from five Here's how to be present and productive when there's never enough time. This is a lesson that is put together by Giant Worldwide. It's something that I got certified on uh, probably about two years ago now. And it's something that I have pieced this le- lesson together uh, through the book and through the training. i am gonna give you all the information for the book at the end of this course. But uh, you're going to hear me use throughout the metaphor of driving a stick. And I want you to think of your body as that vehicle. And obviously going to make sure you're putting right stuff in your vehicle. You're not running it too hard. You want to make sure that you're taking care of it, getting it checked up when it needs to. But you also want to make sure that you're in the right gear at the right time in your life. And especially during the days. And it's in oftentimes it seems like, Oh my gosh, this person's got more hours in the day than I do, or I just cannot get enough done. Well, to quote one of the past guests on the shadows podcast uh, chief, uh, Bob Gaylor, number five, Chief Master of Air Force, number five. He said, time is the fairest thing. We all get 168 hours of it. It's just all about what we do with it. So you're going to hear me use that a lot, the, the time and the, the metaphor of changing gears. Also, the objectivity versus subjectivity of the language. With the objectivity, I want you to think of it where uh, you come up to someone and you say, hey, are you in second gear or fourth gear right now? sounds a little bit better as opposed to subjectivity where you're like, are you actually going to be working on stuff all night long or are you actually going to spend time with us? Which that can kind of spark an argument. Not, no pun intended with the, the Ignite podcast here, but keep all that in mind as we go throughout this. But the first thing I want you to do for all the listeners and viewers is take a minute or two and I want you to write out if you have a sheet of paper with you. If not, just think to yourself. What does an average day look like for you from the second you open your eyes in the morning until you close your eyes at night? What does the average day look like for you? So, Caleb, I'm going to let you go ahead. And if you want to kind
0: of jot down your day. Yeah, I've already started. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. Now, while, while you all are
1: thinking about your day, writing down your day, you're probably asking yourselves, I really wanna know about Sergeant Bodenheimer's day. So, or excuse me, we got, we got civilians on here as well. I wanna know about Tripp's day. So tell me a little bit about what you do day in and day out. So the first thing I do when I wake up is I have to let my dogs outside. That is the first, I don't know why they wake me up before an alarm, before a screaming child, what have you. It, I have to let my dogs out. And then I brew a cup of coffee. And then I like to sit down and read. And this is like the ideal day for me. Now, from then, I wake up my wife. She goes and works out. I usually go work out as well. And then we come back inside, start getting ready for work, talk to each other, make breakfast, wake up my girls, do what any good father would do. I annoy my daughter's to death. And then from there, I usually log in and have class around eight o'clock in the morning. We log in. We have a little morning meeting uh, with our cadre, and it depends what we talk about. Sometimes we talk about work. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk about our weekends, and we jump into class at 8:45. Now, from 8:45 every morning that I'm teaching until around 11:30, we've been teaching virtual. We're in class, and I jump into class. I small talk, establish rapport with them, then I start teaching, and throughout. Anytime we take a break and come back, we start small talking about something or another. What's your favorite coffee? What's your favorite fast food? What have you? Now from 1130 to 12, we have a 30 minute lunch. During that time, I have uninterrupted, need to get emails sent off time. Or I have to update this for the Shadows podcast. I have to do something. There's something that I need no one to distract me whatsoever. From there, 12 o'clock till around 3.45. I'm typically with students, typically in class, still teaching, talking to students after class, providing feedback. But I know four o'clock is my cutoff point. Four o'clock, I need to be off the phone. I need to uh, be focused on family time. And I usually start making dinner, start getting dinner ready, start spending time with my girls, maybe take the dogs for a walk. My wife gets home around 4.30. We like to eat dinner together at the table. We play board games, especially during the pandemic. We've been playing a lot of board games. And from there, we finish around 6.30, 7 o'clock. And I usually go sit down in the living room. We watch television. Uh, Everyone starts kind of getting back on their phones at that point. I usually have my laptop with me. I'm working on something for the podcast. I'm working on something for teaching. But then wrap up my day around 9.30, 10 o'clock, somewhere around there. So, Caleb, I'll ask you. Is it, it, now I'm flipping it, right? You're the host of the show. But what, uh, what were some things that you noticed about my day, like the good and the bad?
0: The good is you have consistency. So you know your routine. Uh, you know, uh, this is what I need to do first thing in the morning. This is what I need to do next. So you, it looks like you have an order to things. Uh, Another good thing is, is you know when to turn off work and when to start home life, right? Uh, It's good to have that work-life balance, to have that separation. I think sometimes, though, and I think with me as well, uh, things tend to bleed over. (laughs) So maybe you could work a little bit more on that. And uh, yeah, so those were those were the the big things that I picked up from your day on what you're doing. What about you? What does your day look like? So I get up and just like you, I take my dog out. First thing, uh, Archer goes out he, and then I bring him inside. I wash my face, brush my teeth, take my vitamins, drink eight ounces of grapefruit juice. Oh,
1: really detailed. OK, gotcha.
0: well, just at the beginning, yeah. just, I, I drink eight ounces of grapefruit juice and then I head to the gym for my 50 minutes of cardio and core. I come home, start my morning staff meeting at 730. Then I shower and eat meal one of six for the whole day. I'll eat every two to three hours, and then I take Archer back outside, come back, and uh, and then I start working on whatever d- tasks I have for work or projects that I'm working on, Project Mercury, whatever. Um, usually, I, I set aside time at sixteen hundred to start editing podcasts and doing other meetings and stuff like that, interviews and whatnot. That's my Podcast time, and then around seven, I'm back at the gym for weight training, uh, coaching, and just lifting on my own personal time. Back home after that to shower, eat, and then bed. Okay, all right. So, and for all the listeners that are that have been thinking about it in their head as well, you've
1: heard both of our days, and be honest with yourself. Like especially that that first happy day was first couple of things you do in the morning, and I like how detailed he was because there's probably something you'll leave out of yours, but remember. First thing you do, how do you end your day? And then what does kind of that middle time look like around lunch and getting off of work? So keep those fresh as we go throughout this. And then also remember our days. because You're going to see us refer back to those um, throughout. Now, the first thing that I I want to talk about with this is the circle of influence. And I love this this tool right here, the circle of influence, because... The first, before I even describe intentional and accidental, the first thing I want to talk about is yourself. And oftentimes we try to appease other people. We're we're mindful of other people's feelings. We don't want to upset other people. Uh, We want to make sure our people have all the tasks, the tools, the resources they need. But oftentimes we put ourselves, you know, on the back burner. But think of yourself like a table. And the way I describe it is, you know, some people Bless your hearts. You're like that table from Big Lots. It costs about $8. The legs are not going to be the most sturdy things in the world. Now, other people are that nice, you know, wood that you buy imported from Italy, uh, weighs a ton. But the similarity is both of those tables can break. Both of them can. And imagine each of the legs on that table represent your spiritual, your social, your physical and your emotional domain. And the slightest thing, you can be in a relationship issue. You can have financial issues. You can have stress from your job weighing in on you. And what's going to happen is one of those legs, if not very wobbly, could snap off. And imagine stacking things on top of it, such as reports for work, uh, deadlines. Oh, you got to take your kids to a dance recital. You've got dinner you've got to get ready. Your spouse, you're not spending enough time with your spouse. All this stuff is mounting up on top of this table. And I ask you, does the table still stand? Probably, but it's going to be a little wobbly. And when that first leg goes out, the other legs are going to start getting weaker too. Because those four domains tie into each other so closely. That table is going to give out. And that is what you got to keep in mind is the military says all the time, service before self. But you got to make sure self is taken care of. And that vehicle that we referred to at the top of this, you got to make sure you're looking out for yourself. You're putting the right things in your body. You're making the most out of your time. And that you're you're surrounding yourself with relationships and connections and people that are going to support you. Now, the reason I say that is because the goal here is to be intentional in every single one of these circles. Family. Think about yourself. You have a bad day at work. You find out like the worst news ever, professionally in your career. You come home. There's dirty dishes. The house hasn't been picked up. The floor has not been vacuumed. The dogs haven't been fed. We tend to lash out at those closest to us. So typically, family catches the wrath of us quicker than anybody else. And then you've had a rough night with your spouse. You've had a rough night. You know your kids. Something was going on at the house. You go into work. Your coworkers tend to suffer from it. And then it just trickles all the way down as opposed to when you're taken care of and you're doing good, happy house, your spouse is is doing great, your kids are doing great, you're more motivated to go into work every single time. And now looking at the intentional accidental piece, think of this with your time. So Caleb, I'll I'll ask you here, tell me some things you notice about an accidental lifestyle. I, I, I hope my kids grow up to be successful i want them to get a good education from the school system uh i'm gonna start working out but i'm gonna start working out january first that's that's my goal and i actually have a goal book but i'm gonna start uh from the time we're recording this i'm gonna start next month on the first um I, I really want this relationship to work out i'm gonna i'm gonna put everything i got into it but i really i hope it works out what are some things you noticed about that accidental mindset
0: one, so there's a lack of, I mean, and it's right here, there's a lack of intentional action behind it, right? You have these mm-hmm. dates set ahead, like, what? why can't you start today? You have this gym book, you got your workout ready, you probably have a membership, why do you have to wait till the 1st? Um, And then you are wanting this relationship to work out whatever relationship you're in, but you're hoping that it will instead of, okay, what do I need to do to ensure that it works out? What action steps do I need to do? Um, How do I, I guess, somewhat uh, become responsible to myself and be intentional towards what it is I'm trying to do?
1: Yeah. When it comes to you investing your time, you rely on chance. You rely on, I hope, I'm relying on the school system to educate my kids. I'm relying on, you know, chance that this relationship works out. I just, I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread here. As opposed to an intentional lifestyle where, you know what? I'm, I'm going to wake up. I woke up this morning. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to start, you know, meal prepped. I'm making sure I'm disciplined with it. I'm starting it today. Uh, This relationship, I'm going to put everything I got into it. My kids, I'm going home this afternoon and I'm going to intentionally spend time with them. I'm going to carve out time to spend with them and find, you know, what is that one hobby? Like right now, my daughter likes anime. I'm not into anime, but I'm going to be intentional and watch it because I want to make the most out of that time with my kid. So keep that in mind. Are you intentional or accidental? Majority of Americans live accidental lifestyles, and think of it like a, a dimmer switch, is the way Jeremy Kubicek, the author of Five Years, explains it. You have a dimmer switch on your back, and it's either flipped to intentional or accidental. Now, you may need a mentor, you may need a coach, you may need uh, someone to flip that switch for you, a workout partner, you name it. But the goal is to live intentional as much as possible. A really good friend of mine, I say, hey, let's sync up. Let's hop on Zoom. And they said, all right, let's let's not just talk about it. I'm intentional. When's it happening? Let's do it. Let's plan it right now. That's intentional lifestyle. Caleb, you got any questions for this one?
0: Yeah, I did actually. Um, It sounds a lot like uh, intentional and maybe what goes behind that is accountability. Is that Mm -hmm. something that goes into it? So self-accountability? Yep, that person, the same person
1: that flips it for you can hold you accountable to it. Uh, it's good to have those people, family, team, organization behind you. And if you can be intentional in every single one of those circles, it, it causes increased influence as well. So now we are gonna ch- switch over to a reality check before we start getting into the gears. And this is where you wanna adjust that mirror. You gotta look yourself in the eyes and you gotta be honest with yourself through a couple of questions here. So the first one, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? And remember we said, start with yourself, work yourself out. Is it going to be team, then family, then self? Like, where do you fall on that priority listing? Where does your family fall on the priority listing? And that's a tough pill for people to swallow because a lot of times they do. I've been guilty of it as well. I've been putting others ahead of the ones that matter most to you because we get so busy in such a fast-paced society. Next thing, what is it like to be around you? And Caleb, I know you and I can both relate to this. We are not the easiest people on the face of God's green earth to get along with at times. We can we can bring out, the, with, with charisma comes passion, comes, you know, it, it, it can rub people the wrong way at times, but Think about those moments where you're stressed, those moments where you, you miss a turn and your GPS sends you a different way. That tests anybody. So how are you during the good, the bad, and then the really ugly? And then another thing to ask yourself, do people follow you or have to follow you? And in the military, we hear it all the time. I respect the rank, but not the person, which is one of the toughest things you can hear from somebody. Do people follow you or do they feel like they have to follow you? And unfortunately, I've been surrounded by have to follow people a lot in my career. And then, look, we know when you come home, your dogs are going to be excited to see you. That is a given. But how is everybody else? Do people get excited to see you? And then to to make it, you know, really resonate with you a little bit more, those same people, was there a moment in time where they loved seeing you? Where they had that spark, where they're, you know, oh my gosh, it's Caleb. Like they have that reaction of seeing you. And now it's, hey, what's up, Caleb? You doing all right? And if that's the case, what went wrong? Where did that change? And that's, this is where I love, Caleb, The uh, you lock your wife and you lock your dog in the trunk for an hour. Open it up. Tell me which one's happy to see you.
0: <laughs> Probably going to be my dog. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, next. Do people ignore you or worse, hide from you? And I I knew someone that I used to work with. This person was a walking version of Eeyore. And I knew if I saw this person in passing, like coming towards me, I knew if I said, hey, what's going on? I knew it was going to be, oh, oh, so glad you asked. Oh, my gosh, this has been rough. And you knew you'd be there for a while. So what do you think I probably started doing when I saw that person coming? Oh, hello. Hey. Yep. I had, all of a sudden I had a phone call every single time they got near me. But it was because they were just so doom and gloom.
0: I didn't want that to to rub off on me. Caleb, you got anything for reality check? Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, I'm writing it all down. There were a couple of things that I, I noticed that obviously, you know, uh, we relate a lot of things to what we experience in life. Being 15 years in the military, you know, a lot of that I can relate to. Um, the my military life. And then what I currently do now. So you said, do people follow you or simply have to follow you? And I was thinking about powers, right? Positional mm-hmm. power and personal, personal power. Uh, positional power, meaning you have to do what I tell you to do because I have the rank because of what's on my sleeve or the place I've been appointed, right? Uh, that personal power though, which I think is what a lot of leaders should strive to seek. Is yeah. the fact that hey, um, personally, you respect me, so you want to follow me. So yeah, that's, that's a good what point I,
1: you brought that up because the the first part I'll tackle is the um, the personal power and awesome. the personal power. If you can close your eyes and think of the best leader you've ever had in your life, that person that impacted you the most, that's personal power. I can guarantee you that's personal power. Now. If you think of that person who had to pull some sort of positional title or rank, you work at a company and they're like, because I'm the supervisor, because I'm the manager, because I'm the CEO, because I'm in charge, or because I outrank you. Uh, Somebody told me one time, and I really liked the the saying, the first time you have to pull a title on somebody, you've got to stop and look in the mirror and ask yourself, what did you do wrong? First time you got to pull that card on someone, you got to ask yourself, what did you do wrong? What else you got?
0: Uh, And then the, do people ignore you or worse? Do they hide from you? I think I've, I've felt the sting of that. I've been on, I think the, the receiving end, and I've been the person to ignore and hide from people. Like I see Tripp's name come across my phone. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) and that concludes Ignite. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it also reminds me of, too, right, whenever, so in Korea, you know, you're walking around everywhere when you're stationed in Korea, and, you know, you there's a lot of officers and stuff, right? So there's a reason why people want to ignore a certain uh, quality aspect or something about somebody else, and one of those things is people get tired of saluting, right, mm-hmm. so, um, and, the officers get tired of having to rent, you know, to give a salute back. So you'll literally see, you know, officers enlisted people crossing the streets on each other because yeah. they don't want to go through that. But that's what it reminded me of.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say because they will both will change directions. Well, now we've gone over the circle of influence. We've gone over a little bit of self-reflection. Now, before we jump into the actual five years there's that one gear that we got to go over that everybody has installed in their car. And the book says, you know, do you have a reverse gear? I actually say everybody has one. It's just one of two types. So with the reverse, think of a time where you get into an argument with someone and Caleb, I'll ask you this question. You get into an argument with someone you really care about spouse, significant other boyfriend, girlfriend, anybody. We tend, they they can tend to bring out the worst side of us when we get into arguments. They, They know what buttons to push and they know you're passionate about the relationship. But why is it when we know we're wrong in an argument, we don't just stop like Danny Tanner and say, hey, you know what? I messed up. This is all on me. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we don't do that? Why do you think we just keep fighting even harder, even when we know we're wrong?
0: Because we don't want to. Ad- well, I don't like being wrong, and I actually enjoy an argument and conflict. Um, but why don't you enjoy being wrong? Because that means that I'm wrong, and that I have to, <laughs> that I'm I'm not correct. Uh, I'm not mean? right. It means that I'm flawed, or uh, I, I don't. This I'm not. just i am not I'm wrong. But what does that mean if you're flawed? that I'm not perfect, that I'm, I don't, i do not know. It's
1: funny because I'll ask when I have larger groups. so I'll ask them, I'm like, why why, do you feel that way? And they're like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> like, what is it, what does it get you? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of times I hear pride, mm. I hear ego. I yeah. hear, I don't want people to see discrepancies in me, to see flaws,
0: to see cracks, mm. people to, I think that's what it is for me. Um, I don't like showing a weakness. And to me, that's uh, not now, but I, before it was perceived to me as being weak. And I don't yeah. like to show that. So pride, ego,
1: trying to show the shelter our imperfections, that's actually a weakness. Whereas it takes strength to own up to it. And so a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people that have dated Tripp Bodenheimer have had resistant reverse gear. And I have had it in the past as well. And it wasn't until recently where my wife and I were talking about something and I said, you know what, I'm wrong. This is, this is, this is my fault. Now, I will tell you, it's never going to go as smooth as you think where you say that and they're like, OK, you're absolutely right. Now, they're going to let you know that you messed up even more. You have to weather that. but. Once you condition your vehicle to actually have a responsive reverse gear installed as opposed to a resistant reverse gear, then you start to benefit more with those relationships around you and yourself. Even messing up, and I'll go ahead and bring up this next slide messing up, being confronted, not being afraid to say, hey, I, uh, I screwed up on something, goes a long way by having that resistance. Because think of, like I said, your body's like a car. What happens if you don't have a reverse? You have to, it makes like difficult for you. You have to park head in. You can't parallel park. There's so many things that you can't do. But knowing when to apologize when appropriate. Now, by having reverse installed, you've already heard it before on this, it increases your influence. People know you're going to be honest. You're not going to be hiding stuff from them you're not going to be trying to cover something up one of the the very first classes i taught as an airman leadership school instructor in the air force i went up and i gave my flight some information and i left and my trainer walked me downstairs and said hey you gave them wrong info and i had to go back upstairs and i could have blamed the the writers the curriculum writers i could have blamed my trainer because he was not in the room with me but i had to look at my flight and say hey I screwed up on this information. I messed up. This was on me. And during my feedback at the end of the course, they said, we really bought into you a lot more because we knew you had messed up. But when you came back up and owned up to it, that instant respect. Because people will know when you're wrong. When you go back to those arguments, they know you're wrong. They're waiting for you to admit it. When you mess up in front of a group of people, they're going to know you're wrong. Just own up to it. And part of that, like what keeps us from saying these things right here? I don't know. What keeps you from saying that? And Caleb, I think you hit the nail on the head. You're like, I don't want people to think I'm not perfect. But, spoiler, nobody is. Nobody is. So, being able to say, I don't know, but you know what? I'm going to find out. I got a curious mind. I want to find out now. That goes a long way. I'm sorry. Actually, I, in my, this is just my personal opinion. I feel like I'm sorry gets overused a lot. I've, I read something not too long ago. I said, learn to replace I'm sorry with thank you. Not, look, I'm sorry I was running late. Oh my gosh, traffic. Just say, hey, thank you for being patient and waiting for me. Don't say, I'm sorry for this argument. Hey, thank you for, for understanding and just listening to me, for, for seeing my point of view. And then I apologize. Hey, that's, and it catches people off guard and say, Hey, I apologize, but learn to to say these things and it will increase your influence. And then finally, you're going to see a challenge with each one of these, but is there anyone in your life that you need to restore a relationship with? and most people have that, they can think of one person and they're like, yep. Family member. Yep. An ex, a, a former coworker, somebody I have people. Not just one, but I have people that I would love to restore a relationship with. And I'm teaching this lesson. But take that a step further. What is keeping you from doing it? What is keeping you from picking up the phone or sending them a Facebook message and saying, you know what? I had had pride. I I had ego. I've been pouting. I've been upset about this. I apologize. So what keeps you from doing that? So, Caleb, what you got for reverse gear?
0: I like reverse gear. I like the backing up or apologizing when necessary. And then the the things you talked about, what keeps you from saying, I don't know, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I agree with you on I'm sorry, on the use of it and the mm-hmm. intent behind when it's used. I think it's just a a, a natural kind Easy of out. reaction kind of thing nowadays. Yeah. But um, that big one though, is there anyone in your life that you need to restore the relationship with? And I I completely understand that one, like you said, mine personally is a family member and mm-hmm. At, at some point it just got to the point where it was like what's keeping me from doing this like why am i why why am i not reaching out and because that person doesn't know how to reach out to me so it had it had to be me to initiate it right You on both ends mm-hmm. well they didn't know how to contact me i knew how to contact ah. them yeah so it had to be me um otherwise i think they would have right so um you know, but what, why was I saying, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it. Let me set a date one day. For me, right. So I was like, let me just do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So
1: I like what you said right there. Why was I being accidental with it? Why can't I just be intentional? Right. And just reach out to them and say, you know what, I'm just going to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. So now we've gone over reverse gear. Now, Without further ado, let's go ahead and start knocking out these five. So the first one is first gear. Now, first gear, uh, if you remember by my story, I wake up in the morning and I have my dogs literally right next to my bed, barking and scratching, ready for me to let them out. And they think that 3:30, 4 o'clock in the morning is like the perfect time to go outside, even though I completely disagree. But Take them out. I go brew some coffee, open up my, my morning reading, and then I like to get a workout in too. So that is my personal recharge. I love to get that recharge. I'm unplugged from the world. And that's something that people struggle with because what is public enemy number one when we wake up? Oh, the phone. These cell phones. Yep. yep. And every time I teach this, I usually ask the audience, I'm like, what is the first thing you do? And when they've written out their day, and for those of you that have written out your day or you thought about your day, or you're going to try to lie to yourself now that I'm saying this, but listening to this, do you look at Facebook first thing in the morning and scroll through and see everybody's, you know, gender reveals and, you know, their vacation trips and what they ate last night for dinner? Is that what you're scrolling through seeing? And if so, why? Or some people tend to, Caleb. You you know the news. They go straight to the news to see what happens. In the news in the morning.
0: Yeah, so that's see- my go to. Okay, I don't so- do the social media thing, but the news is my go to. So I used to do social media, but let me ask you: Why do you go to the news? Because I like to stay updated on everything that's happening current. Plus, plus, okay. you know, there's a lot happening in the country right now. There's the yeah. George Floyd. Uh, mm-hmm. Trial, there's you know we've got a new president and all that, so so I let's like go with that
1: L- let's go with the presidential stuff, okay and George Floyd. we'll go with both of those. You wake up first thing in the morning. you've never been exposed to everything with George Floyd. You read about it. five o'clock in the morning when you wake up. What goes through your mind? If I've never read about it, no, it's first time hearing about it. You woke up in the morning.
0: First thing that goes through my mind like as you read it. As I read it, like this is jacked up. Like, okay. I, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of passion, especially mm-hmm. with everything that's going on in the country. Like, are you serious? Yeah, you're mad. Yeah, angry. You're a angry. Yes. Okay. Now, what do you notice right there? I just started my day off angry.
1: <laughs> you let something external from your vehicle dictate your day. Mm-hmm. You let some something out of your control. happened different part of the country impact your day the presidential elections that whole campaign trail people were, were following you know the poll results and who was up in this state and who's you know trump edged biden here but they were waking up reading about it and letting it dictate their day sports fans i remember in germany i would wake up and i would look at the score And if I saw that North Carolina lost a basketball game, I was like, serious. And now it's throwing me off. But I've let something external start my day. So the biggest thing with first gear, unplug yourself from the world and start your day the perfect, if you could start your day, you had two hours or an hour and a half, start your day perfect. How would it be? And try to plan that. Now, how do you recharge? What motivates you? This is an interesting piece here because the battery pack versus the solar panel. This is where you have to figure out as a listener what works for you. So, Caleb, I'm going to venture to guess. You're an extrovert. When you do Myers-Briggs, your first letter on yours is the E. Yes. Yep. So same here. So Caleb and I are more like solar panels. Meaning. We get our energy because I, I think introvert, extroverts is more of an energy thing than anything else. We get our energy. We feed off of energy from other people. Caleb and I can call each other at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night and talk forever because we feed off of that energy as extroverts. Now, my wife is an introvert. She looks at us and is like, it's 9 o'clock at night. Settle down. But the interesting thing is she's not the solar panel. She's more introverted with her energy. So she's more of an internal battery pack that charges from within. And I've said energy is associated with introverts, extroverts. Uh, uh, And for the retreat group especially, this is really important. But Simon Sinek, uh, author, best-selling author, the way he explains it is we, we look at introverts, extroverts and say, oh, you're loud or you're quiet. But think of it like coins. An introvert wakes up in the morning with five coins. Every time they interact with someone, they spent a coin. And they end the day depleted the more people they talk to. Now, they can attach to an extrovert and not have to spend their coin. They're fine. But extroverts like to gain coins from people all day long. They like to rack up and have as many as they can. And that's been a great day for them. If they end a the day with two or three coins, that is an awful, that is a lazy day. They got nothing accomplished. So you need to know first how your energy level is to start your day. What is it that's going to get you motivated? The internal sourced introverts like to read, like to meditate. They don't like to do a whole lot. Whereas extroverts, they may like to work out with someone else. They may like to interact with people. Um, there's a lot of different things for them to go work out. They may need to go to a gym and, and see people. So really important to remember what, Starts your day properly. Now, what does recharge look like for you? Like I said, set an hour time aside and think about what, if you're unplugged from the world, perfect recharge would look like. But also, both introverts and extroverts can get into low battery mode. They can get burnt out. And what happens is, at the end of the day, we're tired. We're fatigued. We have hit yes. Go into low battery mode. I need to get this. I need to get to nine o'clock, ten o'clock, somewhere around there. I got a couple more things to do. If you notice my day that I explained to you, I don't recharge properly because I'm still working on a podcast. I'm still working on work. You actually called me out on that. I'm still doing works. So I need to learn how to shut my laptop and just start to recharge. Get plugged into the charger. So bookend your day is one of the goals with something that motivates you and end your day with something that motivates you you'll see significant strides in your demeanor now caleb what do you think this means sharpen the axe
0: something that you that develops you um so like reading for instance i've been reading a lot of books on entrepreneurship something that's going to enhance or supplement uh, Mm -hmm. give knowledge or enhance my, me in some way. Yeah. And the best way to sharpen the ax
1: is by getting as much rest. Just have that one day of just full straight up recharge where you can read, you can watch a document, you can just get extra sleep if you need it. But we often tend to, our ax gets dull at the end of the day. And we don't sharpen it enough. We get maybe four or five hours sleep. That acts by the end of the week can't cut a sheet of paper. So what they encourage you to do through the book is to have that day of ugly rest where I'm talking about like lights don't come on in the house. You eat nasty food for a day. You're watching like scandal seasons one through three. You ain't doing a thing. And then it gets to where it's like four o'clock and you look at the time and you're like, oh my gosh, where is this day been? gone. I have done absolutely. I need to get out of the house. I hadn't even showered. You feel gross, but guess what? What happens that next day when you work out?
0: You're charged. You're ready to go.
1: Energized. That is like one of the best workouts you've had. I did it the past two days. Yesterday was my, was my ugly rest. And I was like, dang, I've been nasty today. Just laying around, like ain't done nothing. But this morning I had an incredible workout because I sharpened the axe. You go into work, you have that one or two days where you have not checked your emails because it's the weekend. Who else is checking them other than you? But you come in on Monday, you're ready to go. You take time off from seeing someone, boom, you're motivated to see them. So sharpen the ax, that is a, a big thing. And then the challenge that I throw out there for first year, ask someone you trust to appropriately schedule your recharge for you. If you don't know what that looks like now, introverts, you can probably figure it out quicker than anybody else. You know what your your recharge is going to look like. You just want some time. You just may want to sit there and reflect, meditate, journal, you know, read some scripture. There's a lot of things that that can motivate you. But this is mainly for the extroverted personalities. Get a workout partner. That's that's a big thing. Get a workout partner that holds you accountable to it where you all can be intentional with one another set some time to talk to people. But that is pretty much first gear. Caleb, what questions you got about this one?
0: I don't really have any questions. Uh, are, you explained it very well, especially with uh, explaining the introvert and extrovert energy and the battery <laughs> versus solar panel source of that energy. And you see a lot with introverts. So I, I knew a mentor of mine, she was an incredible speaker and you would have never Mm -hmm. thought that she was an extreme introvert, but it takes a lot of energy for her to go out and be amongst the people and step on stage. And she, during her breaks, what she would do is she would go out the back door, go to her car and sit in her car. She just needs to be by herself to do that recharge, to sharpen her axe. So yeah, you, you explained that very well.
1: Yeah. And it's, Interesting, too, because depending on our settings, like for whatever reason, when I have, um, you know, gone to TDYs or for our non-military people, whenever I've gone on, you know, training uh, trips through the military, I'm very introverted. I like to reserve my energy. I don't like to go out a whole lot. I just like to come back and rest in my hotel room. Now, when I'm teaching, I'm an extreme extrovert. I get that energy off of my flight even teaching online virtual if I teach to a flight and they have their cameras off that it, it hinders me teaching I need to see smiles I need to see people laugh at my incredible jokes I need to see all that good stuff so I, I feed off of their energy and you hear uh, artists say it all the time musicians uh, entertainers all they, they say oh, the energy of the crowd that's exactly what they're talking about Saying in that moment in time, I'm an extrovert. I need that energy. All right. So, next, we're going to shift over to second gear. Now, in my day, you heard me say coffee, dogs, reading. But then I wake up my wife and start interacting with my wife, start working out. I start waking my daughters up, getting my youngest ready for virtual school. And then that would be connection mode. And connection mode is also like game night. I mentioned game night that I do with my family, having dinner together. And I really want to zone in on second gear because as Americans, this concept of second gear, people don't like too much. They're like, nah, ain't got time in my day for no second gear connection mode. Being present with family or friends without work. And there's probably listeners listening to this or watching this, and they're gonna say, I'm present with my family. We watch television together and stuff. For one, you're watching television, and two, guarantee you, people are on their phones. They're using their phones. You can be six feet from each other, but you're not present. You can be sitting at a table at Cracker Barrel together, having dinner, but you're not present because people are on a phone. There is something keeping you from being present and truly connecting hence the connection mode with one another. So my challenge for everybody, next time you go out and eat, look around the restaurant, count phones, how many tables are on the phone versus how many tables are actually genuinely connecting and talking to one another. Because I can guarantee the phones will outnumber the connections. Now, the example that I like to describe in this is, uh, and I'll actually bring up the next two. I should I pull all these up? First, why is it so hard to get into second gear? Why, why do you think it is, Caleb?
0: I'm very ambitious. So it's hard for me to get into second gear because I am very goal-focused and driven, and I, if it's not – so my time, right, everybody's time is precious. It's the one thing you can't get back. Yeah. So if I can invest any time that I have towards the progression of – that goal or ambition or whatever that I set for myself, then I'll do it all day, all day. Uh, it, it helps that it's just me and my dog. So, um, and it, it, maybe it doesn't help because maybe I should be, right, you know, shifting more into second gear, even if I don't have a, a wife and kids. But you brought a good point though. It helps
1: it, as only you and your dog right now, because this is one that can really hinder relationships. Mm-hmm. Is people tend to gloss over second gear, and a lot of times people leave relationships because there's no connection. They're not getting second gear in the relationship, and this is someone who really brings you joy. So this is not just anybody. This is someone that really, really brings you joy. Usually, you have about you know a handful of people that. You can really think of and say, yeah, I want to I really want to connect on a deeper level with this individual. But it's hard. It's really hard. And a lot of times we're, we're so fast paced. And the big things here. Because um, COVID did throw a wrench and COVID forced people to be second gear, and they struggled. They struggled. I saw people on Facebook. They were like, my kids are killing me. My husband's driving me crazy. But take time to connect with people. You have to be intentional and take time. We make it a point to eat at the table. We make it a point to put our phones up when we go out to eat. We make it a point to play games with each other, to sit down and just talk with nothing on, just actually talking to each other. But also to listen, because connection comes through the ears, not your mouth. It really does. It comes through the ears, not your mouth. What happens when you run into someone or you get home and you're like, Hey, how was your day? You ask them about their day, but you're not really listening. You're ready to tell them about your day, especially if you had something, you know, really go on. And I've caught myself where the amount of time my wife talked was about 30 seconds. The amount I talked was about 10 minutes. So that's not fair to her. So I'm not really focused in second gear. And then don't force it. Don't force it, meaning don't come home and say, all right, every night at seven o'clock, we're gonna turn everything off, we're gonna to talk together. Phones up. They will resent you for it. Meaning your kids and your spouse or your boyfriend, girl, whoever it is that you're in a relationship with, they will resent you if you try to force second gear. Now, my daughter, I saw it firsthand. We started going out to eat, and I was like, hey, put your phone up. <sighs>
0: okay.
1: She puts her phone up. Go out to eat the next time. Hey, phone up. <sighs> like you have to kind of ease them into it. Hey know, try, try not to be on your phone while we're, while we're eating. Uh, not, don't go to, you know, Walmart and get the little prison cell for your phones. You know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't go to the, do that and come home and say new rule tonight. Um, but another thing I really like with second year to really think about is we spend so much time in fourth and fifth gear, which we'll get to. Does everybody get the main entree that is you? and the people that you should be connecting with get the leftovers. Cuz that's what tends to happen. They tend to get the leftovers. They tend to get what's left. Your low battery mode, your scraps, you're burnt out, you're tired. And they get about an hour and a half with you. So really important thing to ask yourself. And then you see here second gear in a fourth gear culture. Our society is task driven. What did you just post recently on social media? Um, Go, go, go. We want information instantaneous. We want news right now. We need to know what's going on with stuff. Why was I not notified about this update 16 minutes ago? Why am I just now finding out about it? Like days of a newspaper are done. Where I lived in Germany for six years. And in Germany, they get off work. They pronounce me, Germans, they get off work. They go home. They walk around the neighborhood. Everybody's out and about walking around the neighborhood. They're walking dogs. They're at the park with their kids. You don't see Walmarts and all this other stuff everywhere around there. It's a simple way of life. They sit out on their porch and talk to each other. They hang out in the driveway and talk to neighbors. They go out to eat. Don't bring them a menu. Let them sit there for 30 minutes and enjoy each other's company. Let them enjoy that glass of wine before you take their order. And then, you know what? They're not going to rush you for the check or for your food because they, they're just there to spend time with each other. It becomes an all-night event where us, we go to a restaurant and we want our check now. We want our, where is the waiter? Why did they not, you know, come in and take in taking this plate? Why have they not brought me my, my doggy bag? We are so like, go, go, go. We are a fourth gear society to where my wife even says, I miss second gear. I miss being in Germany. It was a simpler way of life. And then your challenge here, commit to a particular area of study advancement to get stronger in fourth and fifth year. So meaning, what is keeping you from getting a second year with people? You got so much stuff probably going on in your mind, so many tasks, so many deadlines, upcoming projects due to where we're so bogged down on that. We're always trying to get ahead sometimes shut that laptop trip Bodenheimer and spend more time with your family. Pause that, you know, I can ask yourself, can it wait? Can it wait? Because the people around you won't, they won't wait forever. So what can wait? So Caleb, what you got for second year?
0: I think this is one that I'm, I'm definitely going to struggle with in the future if and when I ever do get back into a relationship, because that's, this is this goes against everything that I am right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to you the other day about my hands being in so many pots. And it's a lot even just for me. And it is just me. Right. My time is mine yeah. right now. Uh, and, you know, I'm getting ready to uh, PCS and leave here. So I'm not even really teaching right now. So I have a lot of my own free time, which I decided to, you know, put my hands in a whole, whole bunch of pots and I'm feeling that right now. Um, and even then, you know, so I I think I joked previously about not having a wife and kids, but you know, my my dog needs that attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could shift to that second gear with my dog. I mean, I'm not going to have to you know, listen to him, but you know, spend some time just at the park, right. An hour out of the day, uh, show him the loving and everything that he needs and all that, which he gets plenty of, but I'm thinking about this as you're going through and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to struggle with this when it comes time. And then that whole last part, the challenge, commit to a particular area of study, uh, man, I got a lot of, I got a lot of interests. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm that person that struggles to say no, so mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be a challenge for me. Yeah. And extroverted personalities really struggle
1: with second second gear a lot because they got so much energy to burn off and to give and they want to keep talking to people. Even to where, uh, I don't know if you remember, but you and I were talking, this is when Clubhouse was first starting and stuff. And you're like, yeah, Clubhouse meeting, you know, at this time. And I'm like, nah, I can't after... Pretty much after like four o'clock i shut off all availability and i won't record podcast episodes typically after four o'clock unless it is like a huge exception um like i'm doing right now but because i want to be in connection mode with with those that uh, i care about
0: and with that we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this first part of five gears thank you very much trip Thank you everyone that has listened to this week's episode of the Ignite podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. If you go to the shadows podcast hosted by this week's and next week's torchbearer, the great trip Bodenheimer uh, and also give us a follow on Instagram at the underscore Ignite podcast. Make sure that if you guys are loving all of this five gears and what trip is teaching us this week tune in next week next friday and we'll wrap it up with part two of five gears with our torchbearer trip bodenheimer you guys all have a great evening and thank you